Before we get started in today's show, I want to tell you about Stamps.com, longtime sponsor of the BS Report. It's quick. It's convenient. More importantly, it's really, really easy to use. You do not have to go to the post office anymore. You can just stay home. Make your own office, your personal post office. You can avoid lines. You can avoid just standing there as somebody mails some package, some 79-year-old lady. Who needs that? Make your own mailing and shipping from your house. Stamps.com. Put in the top right of the site, BS. You'll get a deal and a scale and a whole bunch of other things. It's a great product. Uh, You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer. Stamps.com will give you a digital scale. It will automatically calculate the exact postage for any letter or any package. They'll even help you choose the best class of mail. Wow. Why go to the post office? Just give it to the postman. Stamps.com. Check it out. The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report. Another hazy day here in Southern California, but good news later in the week. The Grantland Basketball Hour is coming back on ESPN Thursday, 7 p.m. I know you already DVR season passed it, but just in case you forgot to do that, you can watch it again, and then we're rerunning it a whole bunch of times. One of the people who is coming on the show, uh, America's biggest multimedia breakout star in 2014, Zach Lowe. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting ready to hop on that uh, cross country flight. I don't know how these. I don't know how these jet setters do it, man. I just got off a plane. I'm getting right back on. It's like exhausting. I know. Imagine being an NBA player. I guess although at least you're in, on a charter with giant seats and flying directly to the cities and not going through the airport and stuff like that. But I'm always amazed by when they do these four or five game trips in seven days like that they have any energy left by the end. I don't get it. Yeah, there was some study that there was an article about some study. I shouldn't pretend like I read the study, but there was an article about it that just another one that just like being up that high in the air for an extended period of time is like is basically the opposite of sleep. It's like everything bad that can happen to your body is happening to you when you're 30,000 feet in the air. Um, Yeah, I always feel that way when I fly. Yeah, so I know. And and, and so I'm looking forward to tomorrow, in other words. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about. Oklahoma City, at least during one of those segments in the Grantland Basketball Hour. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to completely avoid them in the in this podcast. And we'll talk about some of the stuff that we won't be able to talk about in the TV show. One of the things, I went to the Clippers-Spurs game last night. It's early. Here's, here's my disclaimer, as usual. It's early. It's mid-November. Not jumping any major conclusions yet. Just pointing out things I'm seeing that I think aren't great signs. You know, and I think they, last week we were talking about LeBron and the Cavs and hmm, what's going on here. And you can, you can talk about signs, at least at this point. For the Clippers, a couple signs that I see. One is that Blake doesn't look like he did last year. And I don't know if he's injured or he's going to, you know, kind of play himself into whatever, wherever he was last year. But he's just not the same guy and he's not the same guy in defense. Um, the three-guard lineup just doesn't seem as effective as it was last year. And Chris Paul, starting to wonder if if he's entering a different phase of his career. I still think he's very, very good. Not positive he's great anymore. So those are my three my three instant reactions. Let's go one at a time. Blake Griffin, what are you seeing? 
Well, he's been sick the past couple of games, right? He's been playing through an illness, so I'll, I'll give him a pass on all okay. the things that you're saying. I think Blake Griffin's going to be fine. I mean, he's 25. Uh, his This whole thing of um, we're going to turn Blake Griffin into LaMarcus Aldridge is crazy and, and needs to be dialed back. And it was, it was last night. He's taking way too many jump shots. And, and part of that is just a consequence of playing with DeAndre Jordan, who owns the paint, basically, who can't do anything outside the paint. So... Blake has to improvise a little bit and, and, and maybe stress some skills he shouldn't be stressing. So Blake, uh, Blake, I'm, Blake's going to be fine. He'll figure it out. He's been ill. What was the next one? Um, the next one is the three-guard lineup and just them at crunch time. I mean, the last six minutes of the game yesterday, first of all, the Spurs should have won that game by 20. They got great shots the entire game, and they were just missing wide-open shots and layups and runners, and it was just one of those games kept waiting for them to turn it on. And finally, the last six minutes, just great possession after great possession. On the flip side, the Clips with that three-guard lineup with DeAndre out there, they just don't get good shots. Um, and and this has been a recurring problem for them. Now, is that an overreaction? I think the, the, the I assume you're talking about Redick, Paul, Crawford altogether. I, I yes. don't think the problem with that is going to be shots. Although, again, I, the, the thing with the Clippers is the roster is only a so-so fit. And they're really, really good because the players are so good at thriving no matter what circumstances they're in and making up for the fit issues. And by that, I mean sort of the skill overlap between Griffin and Jordan, the fact that the spacing can get tight. Like, they just have so many good passers, so many creative players. They make up for it. It's not an ideal fit. But, look, the, the stuff on the wing we've been talking about for months, they're not going to win the West playing Redick and Crawford together for, an ex, for 25, 30 minutes, whatever it is a game. It's just not going to happen. Uh, yeah. because they can't defend well enough and Barnes can't shoot. And so they're sort of left without options unless Reggie Bullock or Jared Cunningham or something, someone of these young guys actually gets playing time and steps up. Other than that, they're, they, they have nothing to trade and they're waiting for the bargain bin buyout guys, which don't exactly churn out dudes that are playing 25 minutes a game in the playoffs um, for, for good teams. Anyways, that, that to me, I mean, we talked about this for months. This is the, this is the big problem with the team, and and it's almost comical to say such a good team has a big problem, but just in the West, any problem is a big problem. I don't think they can beat the Spurs with the team they have if the Spurs are healthy in May and June, because like even yesterday, it went, actually Jamal stripped Kawhi at one point on a big possession, but you know they had Jamal Crawford covering Kawhi Leonard. You're not you're not winning a seven game series if that's your best option against Kawhi Leonard in the last six minutes of a game. Barnes has just gone off the deep end and he has no confidence. And we've I mean, there's been examples of guys going in prolonged shooting slumps. But this this is a little different because it reminds me a little bit of what was going on with uh Memphis in the two thousand thirteen playoffs where teams were like, you know what, just we're leaving you wide open and we're gonna sink toward the paint. You wrote about it a little bit in your column today. I don't really know what the answer is, and I'm starting to wonder. We had talked this summer about could Jamal Crawford be the trade bait? That might be that might be the play for them. I mean, I I, I just think having Reddick and Crawford versus not having that guy who can guard wings at the end of games. I don't I don't know. I'd rather have the guy who can guard wings. The problem is I don't know what the trade is. Do you? No, and I'd have to. I mean, obviously, you know, you need a, a two-way guy. Now, Crawford has just one year left on his contract. It's partially guaranteed one year after this year. So, yeah, and it's, he's at a good salary, and he's a useful player. I just don't know that they're going to get, you know, a, a meaningful 
player for him. I mean, I could see him on a team like Charlotte, which badly needs a guy that can do a little something off the dribble, off the bench, um, and, and Gerald Henderson isn't playing, but Gerald Henderson can't shoot threes and no one's going to guard him, and there's a reason he's not playing. You know, there are, like, guys floating around. Like, they might, maybe they get Hollis Thompson from the Sixers for a second-round pick, but it's not like they're going to mm. get a Cephalosha, or, I mean, pick your ideal guy, and I'm talking ideal, sort of like, ideal sub $3 million or $4 million salary, because they're not getting a game-changer, and it's just... Those guys are hard to find. And Barnes is interesting because he's had years where he's been about an average three-point shooter. But teams don't they, – they didn't guard him very closely in those years. And and sometimes perception sort of lags behind reality. But the league is caught up to the fact that he's shooting poorly. And they're not even pretending to guard him. And it, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean I would say, all right, what about Jeff Green? But but they don't have anything to trade for Jeff Green. But the that's Celtics the type of player they, they need. The Celtics already have a, a Clippers pick, and the Clippers already dumped another yep. pick in that disastrous Jared Dudley um, transaction, so that they could fit Hawes and not be hard, uh, not not be too close to the hard cap and all that. Um, and frankly, they could use the Jared Dudley type, even though he's not really a good defensive player. Um, he says hi, by the way. I saw him in New York uh, when the Bucks were here. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I I don't know what happened with Jared Dudley and the Clippers, but he's kind of what they need. The Jared Dudley from three years ago is the kind of guy they needed. And or they need right now, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm concerned. I I just don't like the five guys at the end of the game, and and you know maybe DeAndre is a piece that I have to think about too. You saw yesterday the really smart teams just kind of know what to do against the Clippers, and then that brings me to the third thing. Chris Paul. I mean, he was a ten out of ten as a point guard for years. I think he's like an eight and a half or a nine now, which is. A subtle difference, but you're seeing it at the end of these games. He used to be lights out in crunch time, and he he doesn't get the same shots that he used to. Now he's a little more off balance. Like It's not like he lost his first step, but maybe he lost 15% of his first step, which is a huge difference. He doesn't shoot threes the way he did. And it's it's year 10 or year 11 for him. I mean, it's you can't say he's in the heart of his prime anymore. And I wonder if he is transitioning from being great to very good, which means he's still very good. But what do you see in there? Um, he hasn't shot the ball well. Uh, he's not getting to the line as much. You know, he, he's not he's not as much of a get-to-the-rim attacker as he used to be. I think the Clips are like 29th in drives per game or something like that. He's just not – he's not a prolific sort of attack dog like he used to be. But the crunch time stuff doesn't worry me. I mean, that's just a few shots here or there. He has a long history of being a great crunch time player. It's not like he's 35. Um, and, and he also has a long history of dialing it up to a scary degree in the playoffs. And I think this is a guy now, he's hurt a lot. He's banged up yep. a lot, often at the wrong times of the year. And I just think some of that has taken his toll on his body, but also it, it's made him sort of mentally say he's probably one of the best guys at pacing himself throughout an 82-game season to the degree that playing 36 minutes a game and pacing yourself are both possible. But So I'm, I'm not worried about him. The Jordan thing you mentioned to totally change the subject is super interesting to me because uh, he's a, he's, he's going to get maxed out by somebody this summer or, or if not maxed out so close to it as to be not really relevant difference. And he and Blake are always going to be kind of an awkward fit on offense. So it's tempting to say you've got Hawes as a placeholder for another year, do something with DeAndre as a trade guy or let him walk and, and try and get a star in free agency. And we know who the stars in free agency are going to be in two years when you have cap room. But yep. 
Blake also isn't a rim protector, and you need some rim protection to win the title unless you're just loaded with so many amazing offensive players like Cleveland is trying to do now, and even they need rim protection. So it's a weird it's a weird question. I don't, I don't, I, my guess is they just keep him because that's the easiest thing to do. And he's close with, with Blake and, and replacing him is going to be hard, but it is, it is, it is an interesting question. It's worth talking about. Yeah. I don't really see the trade for him because the, the, the more likely teams are probably in the Western conference. And I, I don't think they'd want to trade DeAndre to the Western conference, but it, it's and never he's expiring and he's expiring, but it's never been, I would say it's never been the perfect fit, him and Blake. I think they've made it work because they're such great athletes. They look great. It's always been a team that looks great when they're up 10. And you see a team, you know, like the Spurs last night, and they just had them figured out. I was I was actually emailing with Bob today, and uh, he, he made a good point. Like, Popovich is so good, and it's so, it's so much fun to see the Spurs in person and just see how smart they are. And I, I say this every year, but just the chemistry they have and the way they interact and the way they communicate. But Pop... Pop does all these subtle things. One of them was he just was bringing Corey Joseph in to just hound Chris Paul, just like wear him down. You know, it was like part of this big master plan. Like, hey, Corey, when you go in, you're going to guard him 94 feet because I want him to be, you know, 12% more tired than he usually is in the last four minutes. And it paid off. But they think about that stuff all the time. And I ran into Matt Bonner after the game. And he was, he was like, you know, just feeling good. He's like, hey, you know, a little championship hangover, but we're fine. We still have all our guys. And it's like, yeah, they still have all our guys. I feel like an idiot that I didn't pick them to win the title. Why do we always look for another team? I, I don't, don't speak for me. I branded I'm not them speaking the fav- for you. Uh, I branded them the favorites coming into the season. Uh, they've had a dispiriting, weird, slow start. But look, they're a rhythm team. They don't have all their guys, and they're all just sort of getting, they've had injuries and eye infections and getting going, and they'll be fine. And, you know, provided they get healthy, the splitter stuff with nerve issues potentially in his calf and back, that's scary. Yep. And, and, and they need him. But, but you know, they'll be fine. And Pop on the margins does everything right, from minutes to end-of-quarter substitutions to fouling to whatever. That dude does everything right. And even, look, we had the, the latest flare-up of Pop sitting everybody last yeah. week, which, which, which is like that's always going to happen. It's going to keep happening, love it or hate it. But one of the underrated things about that is, like, there is real value in giving guys like Corey Joseph and Aaron Baines and three years ago Danny Green – major minutes in big national TV games like that paid off that yeah. year. They won in 2011-12 when they won a million games in a row. They were like only a so-so for the first 20, 30 games. And they had this game against Dallas where either everyone was hurt or pop just rode the bench through overtime and like was doing crazy stuff. And Danny Green broke out and a couple other guys broke out and they like all cited that game as this was the turning point of our season. This made, made us realize how deep we are. Like they, they do everything right. Whatever the Spurs are doing, if you're not doing it, and you can do it, you're doing things wrong. And they, uh, you made the, you actually pointed out why I didn't pick them to win because I thought everything went perfect for them last year. And you can even see these first couple weeks. I mean, they haven't had a major disaster, but the splitter thing's a real issue and might be a real problem for them long term. Um, Kawhi gets a weird eye infection. Guys are already banged up. Like, you know, it, it has the makings of the year after, but the problem against that theory is that. Their infrastructure is just so good. Like even last night, you know, Splitter's not playing. That Aaron Baines came in, who was like their 27th man last year. 
and he's competent. He knows he knows where to go and what to do. Like he had a nice little catch, and you know he cut to the basket, a layup, and he bangs bodies. And they they just they, over and over again, they just figure out how to make these guys competent. I don't know how they do it. Aaron Baines, really if you go to any Spurs game three hours before the game, Aaron Baines is out there taking jump hooks, working on his defense, working on movements he's going to use on the court. You know, he's like Ray Allen, except no one cares about him, and he's like the 27th man. He's like, that's like he's like, he was on the hands team uh, yeah. last year. Now the Spurs, they'll be fine. I actually was going to – but the West, and this, is, this brings me back to the Clippers, the West is so much about – matchups in the playoffs right yeah. I mean it just so much depends on who you play and that's they're a tough matchup for anyone and they don't really have a kryptonite team that that gives them and Oklahoma City is the closest thing to a team that gives them a lot of problems and, and they have but like the West is just it's so much about matchups it's got to be scary to play those 82 games and look across the court and be like oh god we have no one to guard LaMarcus Aldridge you and I disagree on on the Kawhi Leonard contract extension or lack thereof. And you made good points about it. And it basically comes down to this. It's better for them long-term to roll the dice with this summer. Obviously they must think Tim Duncan is retiring. They've never said that, but the fact that they didn't get the Kawhi thing done makes me think that Duncan has privately told people this is, this is his last year. I don't, I don't mean to be clairvoyant bill on this, but it's just, you want to, you, you should always want to lock Kawhi Leonard down for as many years as possible. So the fact that they didn't makes me think Duncan has told them I'm out of here after this year. And they've told Kawhi Leonard, look, it's better for us to have that cap space. We'll take care of you. As soon as we figure out what we're doing with that cap space, you're still going to get your money. Do you agree with that theory? Oh yeah. I mean, I, that's exactly what's going on. I mean, look, I don't not. Oh yeah. Like I think Duncan is hundred percent retiring. I just think they're preparing for the possibility that both he and Ginobili retire and they have cap room. And I'm sure that they've had very cordial discussions with Kawhi Leonard outlining what their plans are. Just yesterday, he had some quote that he says he's going to be a spur for life. And look, even though they didn't lock him up to an extension, they can still lock him up for the max amount of years. They can still give him a five-year new contract in free agency that would, in terms of the number of years, effectively be the same as what the designated player extension would be. So there could be no harm, no foul here. But look, there is a risk. He wanted a contract. That's 100% I think true. It's a he want, well, he it's wanted a, a contract. He wanted a contract now. And some team with cap space, and, and maybe some team with so much cap space that, and I don't know who it's going to be, that, that they can have some of their money tied up in restricted free agency and still have cap space. Some team absolutely should throw the Chandler Parsons offer sheet at him just to see what happens. Some team should do it if they if they don't really care about anything else or they have enough cap space to handle it. I would if, if I were, I don't know, just pick a team, the Pistons or some Celtics. crap team. Some, Celtics. Some, yeah, okay, yeah, Celtics. Some team with a need on the wing, absolutely. Throw it at them just to see what happens. Celtics. Um, that's why I would have signed him for five years, $90 million. I, I think there's a 90% chance that this is all wink, wink, and hey, Duncan's retiring, and hey, we're going to take care of you. Like, I get it. The Spurs if, of any team would have the best possibility of pulling that off, but they're also leaving the 10% chance that he might leave. And well, Chandler Parsons was a wink, wink before it wasn't, right? I mean, yeah. Chandler Parsons, a great example. Um, not as great of an example, but something that it played out this way is Kevin Love. You know, the Timberwolves could have had him for five years. Just, hey, you're ours for the next five. And instead they they screwed it up and he was able to have the leverage to get out of there in three. And with Kawhi, he, 
this is what bothers me about the league right now. And we saw Houston do this too. All of these teams are thinking the same way, and they're all about, well, we got to get that cap space. And there's going to be 25 teams with cap space next summer. What, what are, who do the Spurs think they're going to get that's worth even risking the 10% chance they could get screwed over with a Kawhi contract offer? Like, do they I, really I, think they can get Marcus Gasol? Why would Marcus Gasol leave Memphis? I, I, look, here's – this is the Cuban theory, right? Of like when everyone does the same thing, you should do the opposite thing. Um, the Spurs at least have the infrastructure, right? The Spurs can at least go to the right kind of player and say, hey, look, we're always really good. We have Kawhi Leonard. We have Tony Parker. We have useful role players around them. Like we're going to be really good. Come here and be the guy or the co-guy of a 50-win team. You know what we're about. Maybe you're not the kind of personality that needs to be in New York or L.A. We're targeting you for that reason. I don't know who it's going to be. but and, and you leave yourself open to the possibility of – I don't, I don't want to spoil a column I'm going to write down the line. But like Al Horford is the perfect spur. And you maybe you yeah. have the cap space to trade for Al Horford. You just don't know what opportunity. They're at least – like Milwaukee with cap space is not interesting. San Antonio with cap space is interesting. But no, there is that theory. There is that idea that if everyone has it – it has no value, just like expiring contracts have no value anymore. The the other caveat is the cap may go up so much that it's almost impossible not to have cap space in two years. And I don't know how that affects what decisions you make now, but it's interesting. Well, that's why I would have. That's another reason why I would have signed Kawhi. I mean, you know, I well, I think another thing that's happening right now is is these teams are hoping that Kevin Love that this Cavs thing is going to be a disaster and that Kevin Love will be in play this summer. And you're seeing. Something that I actually predicted last week. You're going to see teams start leaking stuff that's not true in an in intentional sabotage. We've already seen one article this week. Lakers feel like they have a chance to get love next summer. Oh, okay. Really? You do? You think love's going to jump to your six and 76 team? But I think, I think some of these teams are going to float stuff out. Like if this Cavs situation, you know, let's say they're 16 and 11. And let's say it's a little rocky and we have a couple of Kyrie, Deion Waiters type, a couple more of those moments. All these teams are going to start leaking stuff, trying to claim that love is, wait, you know, it's not what love thought. And all. This is going to happen. And how Cleveland handles that, I think, is going to be really interesting. How love handles it is going to be interesting because I think he'd be crazy to leave LeBron. But, you know, you never know. There's going to be 20 teams chasing him, you know. I don't care. I don't care what little nice things Kevin Love said on the day of the trade. Like he's a free agent and he yep. has an incentive to be a free agent and then be a free agent again when the new TV deal kicks in and stuff goes wrong. The Lakers of two years ago are the best recent example of that. Like yes. stuff that looks great goes wrong and then people leave. And I think Kevin Love will stay because I think the Cavs are going to be really, really good and figure it out. But like, it's not like, I, I get why everyone says, why are we talking about Kevin Love's free agency already? Why are we talking about Kevin Durant's free agency already? Do you know why? Because the whole league is talking about those issues. That's what yep. people are concerned with. That's what they're planning for. And we've seen it over and over again with Darren Williams and Carmelo Anthony and Dwight and on and on and on. Like once you're an expiring contract, it's over. The story's done. It's too late. Like that either you've, you've had to have resolved that situation one way or another, or you're taking a huge risk. The story starts a year or even two before you don't think Sam Presti is sitting there sweating about Kevin Durant's free agency every single day right now. That's exactly what he's doing among many other things, including sweating about the fact that Lance Thomas is starting, but you know, that's, this is life. Save it for the TV show. This is life in the NBA. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we had a lot of people rooting against Miami in 2011-12, that first season. They all got together. And it was 
was for the karma reasons, you know, and just the way it all played out. This Cavs thing is different because you have teams and people working for those teams really actively rooting for this Cavs thing not to go well because it puts the following people in play, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. And everyone knows it. And if for whatever reason, LeBron decides in GM LeBron, by the way, because he is the GM of that team. If GM LeBron decides, you know what? Kyrie Irving is Steve Francis. This is a guy that can only succeed at basketball if he is the one succeeding. He does not approach a basketball game thinking to himself, how can I make everyone else better? He's just thinking, what's the best situation for me? And I don't want to play with a guy like that. I'm not saying he's going to come to that conclusion, but let's say he does in January. I can't win with this guy. Well, who's sitting there waiting for him? The Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are just dying for that situation to happen. Same thing with the Spurs and the Knicks and the Lakers and all these other teams with cap space with Kevin Love, the Celtics. All of them are, are, are praying every night that this Cavs thing is going to be a disaster. So I'm not trusting any story I read, anonymous sources, sources say, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just think it's all BS, and I think all these teams are going to be leaking stuff. I just think that's the way the league works sometimes. And you have to be smart enough to not be the willing or unwitting conduit for their leaks. But I mean, why do you think Phoenix wants Kyrie Irving? Or, or do you mean, or are you referencing Kevin Love with Phoenix? No, Ky- Kyrie Irving for Phoenix. Because, you know, you can make a case he should just be the best guy on, on his own team, right? And not, not one of the pieces on a better team. He might just be a guy who's better off being a, the best guy on a 42-win team or whatever. But I, I wonder, Phoenix has a situation where they have all these good players, but they don't have, like, the great player. And I think Kyrie is at least a decent bet if you're rolling the dice, to potentially jump a level. I don't think anyone on that roster is going to jump a level, do you? No, on Phoenix's but... Phoenix's roster. I, I don't... Maybe... Ble- well, Bledsoe, if he stays healthy and plays like he did for half of last season, absolutely. He's looked awful this year, don't you think? It's, it's, I mean, it's for early, him... It's, it's early. It's early. And, you know, the three-point guard thing has thrown all three of them, except Isaiah Thomas, who just comes off the bench and goes crazy. It's thrown them off a little bit. Uh, well, I didn't even Dragic. Dragic is like, yeah. a, a, it's like he's uh, has mono. But it, they'll be fine. I mean, they, they're, they're all really good players. And look, once you factor in defense, let's assume that Dragic's last year last year is the norm for him for the next three or four years. I don't know that it is, but let's assume. Let's assume Bledsoe's healthy half season last year is the norm for him for the next four or five years, and he stays healthy. I, I don't know that Kyrie Irving, once you factor in defense, is demonstrably better than either of those guys. I, I, I just – I don't know that that's true. I don't, I don't know why I would be dying to get him if you I wouldn't were You wouldn't trade – well, you're right, you're right in this respect. Phoenix is really smart. But you don't think they would trade Eric Bledsoe and the, the Lakers pick, which they're not going to get because that's going to be a top five team. But like whatever or some other asset. To upgrade to Kyrie Irving, you don't think that's no, in, no. even in their in their mirror? No, really. And that, Lake, that that Lakers pick is going to come to them at some point, and it and it right. you know depending on how they build, it, it's an unknown, right? It's going to come. It, it's going to be. A, it's not one of these picks that reverts to two second round picks. It's going to be a first round pick, and it could be a very good one. And it's as we speak, a really valuable trade ship. I I don't. I wouldn't. Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. Well, what have we seen from Kyrie Irving? He's been an awful defensive player. Who's an mm. amazing guy to watch? Good shooter off the dribble, okay passer, 
again, awful defensive player on bad teams. Like, he's a super talented guy. He's probably one of the top 20, 25 players in the NBA. I just, like, I don't know why I'm dying to give up Eric Bledsoe in a first-round pick to get him. I don't, I don't, I, we disagree on this. Well, I like when we disagree. Here's my thing with Bledsoe. Am I selling high on Bledsoe if I trade him for somebody who's a bigger asset? Because I'm not sure Eric Bledsoe can stay in the court. I've, I've, ne- I'm basically I paid him on potential and on the market, and not for anything he actually did, other than he had 40 good games for them last year. You know, and they're know. both locked up. At least Kyrie is locked up for a long time. Like a lot of people in the league have floated to me. You know, Ryan McDonough, the Suns GM, was the was among probably the strongest boy, voice in Boston's front office for drafting Rondo. Would he flip Bledsoe yeah. for Rondo? And my response is always, I don't know why you do that with Rondo on an expiring contract unless you're 100% sure he's going to resign. But at least Kyrie's locked up. And I was actually going to throw out you, are you, sh- are you sure Kyrie can stay on the floor? But his injuries have all been kind of fluky, right? I mean, Bledsoe's had recurring knee issues, and he's had part of his meniscus removed. So that's that's a different thing. But I, I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. I'm somehow I got pigeonholed as being a Kyrie fan. I, You're I a actually, Kyrie guy. You're a Kyrie guy. You want to no, watch Kyrie I, take 25 shots for a 41 team? You said it. You're in. I think he's the successor to Steve Francis and Stephon Marbury and some of those other guys oh. I watched. That just like when your point guard is taking the most shots on your team and really wants to take the most shots on your team, it's never worked. And I don't. You know, I, I think LeBron has tried to do the tough love. He's tried to do all these different things. But ultimately, I just think the type of player he is is somebody who he needs the ball and he needs to shoot. But you're, I think you're higher on Bledsoe than me. I also, maybe I'm a little too down on the Suns team because I really enjoyed watching them last year. We put them very high in our league pass rankings. Um, I, the body language doctor does not like the Suns this year. That does not seem... I don't know what it is. Like a, a chaining fry couldn't have been meant that much, could he? Well, it's and, not like and could Isaiah it's, Thomas be that much of a of a chemistry like kind of rippler? I don't know what the right word is, but it's just like Dragic seems unhappy. Bledsoe seems unhappy. I, I don't know. I don't like what I'm seeing from that team. I know they're four and three. Well, let's let's pump the brakes. They're four and three. Although two of those wins have come against the Lakers, which should count as one combined win. So let's say they should count as zero. Yeah, well, they're two and three with two Laker wins. <laughs> they're three and three, um, or two and three, or four and three, whatever. I mean, look, they've made drastic changes to their roster, and I, I just I like the talent. I like the coach, and I, I like. I think Markeith Morris is going to have a monster year. They need to settle what they want to do at small forward. They've been starting Marcus Morris and bringing Tucker off the bench and playing small a lot with one of them at the four. Like, they just have things to sort out. And, and you know, all three of the point guards seem a little bit out of sorts, again, except Isaiah. Um, they're still really fun to watch to me. I mean, their they're win against Golden State was super fun. But I, I think that game be, was I, mean, I, I think they're hanging in. As in the in the playoff race all season, just like last year, I think I, I like that team. And and again, it's nice to have all these problems and be four and three, right? I mean, that's what's impressing me about the Wizards. They haven't looked great. They're missing guys, yeah. but they've scrapped to a nice winning record. They're, they've won games that maybe they shouldn't have won. They've beaten bad teams. Like that that matters. It matters when you're four and three, and Denver is one and five and can't figure it out. Like that that just getting off to that nice start that that means something to me. Denver, uh, Phoenix seems like they're a worse defensive team than they were last year. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't see them in the playoffs. I don't think they make it. I like, let's say, I don't want to 
I don't want to step on the TV show, but let's say OKC just doesn't make it. Let's say Durant doesn't come back in time or whatever happens. Let's say they fall out. So who gets that spot? I, I actually would bet on New Orleans over Phoenix. Would you bet on New Orleans or Phoenix? I would bet on Phoenix. But I wouldn't feel great about really? that. I, th- I think New Orleans is going to be a solid team. Um, I, I just think Phoenix is more sort of fully formed um, and, and and more comfortable maybe in its own skin but New Orleans is, is is you know is is a very nice team, and Anthony Davis is a freaking god. And uh, you know it would be nice if Eric Gordon would make a shot. And by the way, that, well, that's the that, thing. Like like he's killed them, and and at some point they're just gonna move on and stop playing him or whatever. I do feel like they're three and three, but part of the reason they're three and three is because he's been a catastrophe. He's been he he, he looks terrible, and Austin Rivers actually looks pretty good coming off the bench. I saw someone, one of their local guys. Um, suggested that Austin Rivers should start over Gordon. I don't know that I'm ready to go there, but Eric Gordon, it, it, this is not this is really bad, and it, it's it's I don't know what the end game is, but it's not pretty. Well, hold on, I'm looking this up just to get the numbers exactly right. I you know for the people out there who aren't NBA junkies but love the league, it, it's impossible to say how how bad Eric Gordon's been in these games and how much he hurts them, but just from a statistical standpoint. He's playing 33 and a half minutes a game and not even scoring eight points a game, shooting 29%. He's shooting 19% from three, 19%. And his PER is 3.6, 3.6. Unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen such a low PER on a, on a shooting guard. Like you've seen it on centers or, you know, power forwards who don't shoot or whatever, but his wind shares per 40 48 minutes is, is actually negative. It's minus 0.06. He's, ha- he's having the worst year of anyone in the league. And actually, I have some news for you. I think he's the worst contract in the league now. Is there a worst contract? Uh, he's up there, if only because all the contracts that are signed now are so short. I mean, he's got one year left at 15 and change. That's awful. It's untradeable. Um, is it, it's just, isn't he it's, expiring this year or next year? He's got an option for next year, which he's going to take at 15. Oh, uh, 15, God. I that's think. a... Ooh. It's awful, but it's it actually makes me sad because for like a thirty game stretch in twenty ten eleven, yeah, Eric Gordon was electrifying with the Clippers. Yeah. The Eric Gordon Blake Griffin pick and roll with he averaged like twenty five a game over that stretch. Then he hurt his wrist. Then he's had knee issues, and he just hasn't been the same explosive guy um, that that he was back then. And it's just it's it's it sucks to watch. Honestly, like he looked like he was going to be. There were like three years ago. You can Google articles that are like, "Is this the next great shooting guard in the NBA?" I went to many of those Clipper games, and and uh, and I actually thought that the Hornets made a good trade, or then now the Pelicans. But I thought they made a good trade when they got him as the centerpiece of the Chris Paul thing, because I thought he was going to be one of the top three two guards in the league for ten years. It's it and is I don't amazing. Know what happened. To, it is amazing to think about that trade and and just remind ourselves that what we don't know always outweighs what we know. Like, I, I totally thought the league made a smart decision for the Pelicans vetoing the original trade yeah. and sending them the Clippers trade. And Dragic has turned into the best player involved in that trade. And Yes. And it's it's and I don't – I have to go back and look at all the packages side by side and make sure. But, like, I think it's an actually an okay it, – it's a fair discussion now which package was better. But we were all sure, absolutely sure when it happened that the league had made the right decision. It's just, it's just everyone wants to know everything and be certain. It just doesn't work like that. Things evolve over time in, in ways you just can't predict. I think it was Scola, Kevin Martin, um, 
Dragic, Lamar Odom, and what would have ended up being the 12th pick in the draft, which ended up being Jeremy Lamb. I, for some reason, I don't remember Martin, but you might be right. And, of course, Powell was going to go to Houston. Yeah, no, Martin um, was in that trade because they had to add up all the salaries and the, and the Pelicans or then Hornets. I think it was Chris Paul, but then they also got rid of someone else. You know, here's why I think – here's why I would bet on New Orleans over, over Phoenix if it came down to that for the playoff spot. And I, I guess we have to talk about Sacramento too, but just – the the season it's a small sample size. Davis is, you know, it's six games, but he's putting up twenty five and thirteen with two blocks, two and a half steals. I'm not saying he's going to end up there, but that's kind of who he is now. Every game that he plays, he's going to be between twenty three and twenty seven points and thirteen and fifteen rebounds. Just having a guy like that, it's almost impossible not to win forty five games if you have a decent team, and they have a decent team. But this is like he's having a vintage Garnett, Duncan, Carmel in season. And history says you make the playoffs if you have a player like that, don't you think? Yeah. No, I, the, the, like I, I, there's no question that they're going to win a lot of games. The only question is are they going to do it in the wrong conference that's so good that 47 wins won't be enough? They're going to mm. win a lot. Even if Eric Gordon shoots 26% and Tyreek Evans shoots 39%, he's actually making his threes this year, which is nice so far. They're going to win a lot of games because Anthony Davis is that – he's so good it's unfair. I mean, it's I, he's so good. You know what? He passed last night. He passed the wife test. He passed mm. me rewinding the TV. He blocked a three-pointer. I don't remember which poor Cavalier thought he had an open three-pointer, and Anthony Davis came from, like, nowhere and blocked it. And I told, I was like, I, I got to show you this. This is this is unbelievable. Like the, the guy, the guy doesn't do. The, he's ridiculous. It's it's he's so good. It is unfair. I mean, it's super early, but his PR right now is thirty five point eight. It's it's just, it's it's just, to look at these numbers is comical. Like it's and it's not. Yeah. It's like he'll throw in like just just when you think you've seen all the sets, he'll throw in like a three like three steals, four assists, and he'll be like, this is like it is vintage Garnett Duncan. Some of these box scores, it's unbelievable. And the thing is, he's so athletically just off the charts, and it's so easy for him. And he just makes these 10 or 12 freak of nature plays a game. And, and that's why I like watching LeBron last week. And I and the more we're looking, you know, he looked good last night. And the more we're looking at it, maybe the first week when he just didn't look like himself, maybe a lot of that was mental and just coming home, dealing with tickets, being back, filming commercials, like all the stuff that he was going on. Maybe he was distracted, and that explains why he looked like he did, but he certainly doesn't have the same freak of nature explosiveness. Blake, for whatever reason this season, he's not the freak of nature that he was three years ago, where it's just like this guy just bouncing around waiting to dunk over 17 guys. Davis is in that stage right now. And I think he's the league pass MVP. Like if there's all these different games going on, it's really hard not to just flick over to the, to the Pelicans to watch Davis for, and then you end up getting sucked in and, I've watched more Pelicans games than I was prepared for. It's hard to turn away. He, uh, against the Spurs over the weekend, um, obviously that was a the, great game, one. the game winning shot, but I yeah. think it was in that game. He, he hit a, uh, a floater on the pick and roll where it was like, he looks weird. He looks awkward sometimes. Like he's kind of flying yeah. at the rim too fast and flinging the ball up. He hit this floater where he slowed down. He was patient and he and he was on the run, but he was patient and 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 had a soft, beautiful touch in a win. And, and I just thought, 
that's really bad news for the rest of the NBA. If he can make shots like that, it's just, it's all over. And, and look, I don't want to get hype. Like we're hyping him up a lot and they might not win. 50 not, we're not though. The guy, the guy's doing it every day. When he figures out, he's like 75%, maybe 60% of the way to figuring out everything about defense. It's just, it's, he's going to be so good. It's just insane. It's a great stage to be in. I remember Durant, the first year OKC was really good when Durant had just really started to figure it out and Westbrook was running around like a freaking maniac and that season was just so much fun. I think they won, ended up winning 50 games. Um, but it's just really fun when somebody hits that point where the stats and the production is starting to match whatever natural talent they have. And you're right. He's 70% where he's going to be. But he's still at the stage now where he doesn't realize yet that he shouldn't try to block every shot and he shouldn't try to follow up rebound dunk every every shot that bounces yes, he off should. the rim. Yeah, I still root for yes, he should. I want to I just like, keep doing it. I'm rooting for I, normally I'm the Spock guy or whatever. I'm like, yes, yeah. keep doing crazy things. It's great because eventually the grind of the schedule and experience and you realize like, you know what? I'm going to pick my spots on those. Maybe maybe the fourth quarter of a 20 point blowout over Charlotte isn't the time for me to try to jump over seven guys. But right now he doesn't realize that. And it's awesome. Uh, hold on quickly. I wanted to go. Where is that? I'm looking for MVP. Oh, the MVP bets are off the board now. Because we talked about the MVP race. Neither of us love the LeBron MVP bet, which I think was even. And we were talking about other possibilities. I think Davis was like 18-1. to 1. That went way down. You like Steph Curry as a dark horse. I think that went way down. And uh, the, the other one that we kind of threw out just for a second in that Harrell Bob Valgaris podcast, uh, I think you brought it up, Dwight Howard. Yeah. Dwight looks as good as he's looked in five years. So I don't know. Wide I, open, right? Why it's open? And look, he's got the problem that a lot of uh, that Blake would have too. Is that you know Harden is right there with him, and I think given what he does for their defense, that Dwight is the more valuable player of the two. But um, you know he's he's been if he's healthy. That dude is as good as anyone in the league, basically. Not named LeBron and Durant, maybe. He looks um, healthy. He 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 does look healthy. He's scoring out of the post. I mean, he looks like very much like Orlando Dwight, maybe at five percent less athletic. Um, he's going to be in the race. And look, if Sacramento even sniffs five hundred, Demarcus is going to get some attention. I can't believe that, but it's so true. I don't trust the Sacramento thing, but I've enjoyed it. I, I'm like you; I'm dubious. But let me throw this at you: Raptors versus Warriors finals. 50 to 1 odds right now. Uh, it's interesting. 50 to I, 1 I, seems high. If you've watched basketball the last three weeks, 50 to 1 seems high for a Raptors Warriors finals. Toronto is really good. I mean, They're really, you know, really good. Uh, Toronto's, the Drakes are really good. And uh, to look, we don't know. I mean, Rose can't stay in the lineup. I thought he looked really good last night against Detroit, but he can't stay in the lineup. And Cleveland, I, I still think Cleveland and Chicago at the end are going to be a, a level that Toronto can Available. reach. I, 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 do, I do. I think they're just going to be better than the Raptors are going to be. But, but you're assuming the Raptors in in April are going to be the same team they are in November, and they have a lot of expirings. That's a team that can make a trade. That's a, if, you were, if you could add any piece to the Raptors, what would you add? Oh boy! Because they have um, the they have the picks and they have the expirings. They can go get somebody. 
I mean, the general type I would look at is a four, a power forward who with a little bit of shooting range and who's a better defensive player than Patrick Patterson. I mean, I realize that there, I've named about 10 guys in the whole league maybe who fit that description, but that a guy who can give me a little bit of rim protection, a little bit of shooting, uh, and, and, you know, display Samir Johnson in the starting lineup or, uh, or you know, come off the bench if he's a lesser player and be insurance for Amir Johnson's bad ankle. Yeah. Um, that I, I think they're pretty set on the wing. I like James Johnson. Obviously, they have two good point guards. I like Valanciunas. So I guess you could say a backup five because Dwayne Casey or another five because Dwayne Casey clearly doesn't trust Valanciunas still. So a, a big guy of some kind. Name me a big guy and a, give, give me a good big guy, I guess. I would say DeAndre, but the Clips aren't trading him to Toronto. I don't know. I'd have to look around. But I was actually thinking you could put Amir Johnson in the trade, try to get, you know, an impact power forward. Right? Like maybe, I mean, I know that five-man lineup they have has been freaking awesome with Amir Johnson in it. But I do wonder, like, that's the spot I feel like they could upgrade. Because I like, I like Terrence Ross out there. And is it... Is it Ron? Ooh, Patterson? I got it. I got Ooh. it. Horford. You know, I love. The, I Horford. was thinking about that. We throw Horford. him in every trade, though. Uh, but he's there. Just aren't that many guys that that fit this that fit this criteria that are gettable. And I think, depending on what happens with the Hawks, I mean, they love Horford. I was hanging around them in Charlotte a little bit over yeah. the weekend. They 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 view him as really the foundational piece of the team. But they're in such chaos with the ownership situation. Who knows? I mean, I would, I would, I would call. I would call and offer everything they, they, you know, that is available to me to offer. Um, Jeff Green. I, I, th- I, I was going to say Jeff Green because he gives you a lot could of. Because go small with them, and you yes. have some options, right? Yeah, I just don't think he's he's Masai Ujiri's kind of guy. Okay. I, I, I don't know what I, – maybe, maybe. I could see one of the Utah bigs being available other than favors, but I don't think they move the needle. Um, I don't think they move I was the thinking the kind, of, the kind of guy I'd like to see them get is somebody who could be a, a small forward but also a small ball four. And that's why I was thinking Jeff Green. Somebody that would give them an extra look in some of these playoff series if they're going against a team that just says, you know what, we're going small. And I actually like Patterson. I think he, I think he's a really good eighth, ninth man. Cause you know, I, I, during the Celtic game, I've watched like every minute of the Celtics season. I really enjoyed the Celtics this year, but <laughs> Patterson was open in the corner, you know, in crunch time. And I was like terrified when he was shooting. I thought it was going in every time with him. I think he's a really dangerous stretch for, he's not great defensively, but, um, well, well, I, Larry's, Larry's game that he played in that Celtic game was better than any game I've seen Chris Paul play in two years. Uh, just wow. throwing that out there. Lowry, he been... was unbelievably dominant. I will say this: the Denver, if things go south, mm. is going to consider everything, and he's a mess because he had knee surgery twice. Uh, but Masai Ujiri did trade for Danilo Gallinari, and he is the kind of player that fits what you're talking about as a three-four. Um, I like just it. Throwing, just throwing it out there. He just hasn't looked right, though. I just think it's a big risk. He might. This might be a year where he just feels his way back into the game. You know, is the funniest part of this entire podcast when you said if Denver's season goes south? Well, I think they're, it they're only they're they're only one in five. There's always hope. They're they're deep. They got the altitude. They're terrible. That it's really stinks. bad. It's really that bad. team stinks. And and I think we found out why so many teams were so afraid to hire Brian Shaw or whatever was going on in the 37 interviews that he had every year. Uh, they just 
I don't know what that team is, but I know that team is going to win less than 30 games. And, and that's a team that's going to, if they wanted to start trading off pieces, you mentioned Gallinari. I think the Celtics would be in play for McGee. Uh, Aaron Aflalo. I know you're not ready for that. Are you? Well, it would be interesting. The text from my dad would be unbelievable. (laughs) It really would be, they would be off the charts. Fantastic. Uh, but they, he is the type of guy that they should think about going after, right? They need they need somebody who can run the floor and protect the rim, and who's you're not going to get that guy unless that guy has some flaws. I they believe in President Brad Stevens. I think he can salvage anything. Brad Stevens, by the way, looks like he is just going to be an outstanding NBA coach. JaVale has one more year left on his contract after this one, so you get rid of him fast. I just think he's not a good player. Um, but that you there there's still a team will t- could not will because I don't know that he's going to get traded, but some team will could or will talk itself into being like, he's the athletic freak and we're going to be the team that teaches him how to play basketball. And I just don't, mm. I just don't think it's going to happen for him, but he does like, he has gifts that are very rare athletically. And I just, I just, I don't see it happening, but you know, I'm, I'm a pessimist. I don't really see it happening either, but if it was Gerald Wallace and, you know, some heavily protected first round pick for JaVale, I would think about it. If I'm the Celtics. Sure. I, I think McGee, I think Gallinari, I think of and we didn't mention Wilson Chandler. That's another guy who is having a bad season and could probably be had at a discount. But as somebody that if you put him on the Clippers and he started making threes, would all of a sudden be playing crunch time in the playoffs for them. So that's a team to watch. And I think, uh, you know, Minnesota has a million guys that could be traded tomorrow. Who knows with that team? So they, there's some teams that want to make moves. We, Last year, remember, you wrote the piece right after uh, Gortat got traded for Phoenix got the number one for him. And you were saying how, you know, they just grabbed it because there's a lot of guys out there and nobody knows if there's going to be first round picks available in February. And as it turned out, there wasn't. How many how many did teams feel that way this time with the first round picks? Yeah, I think it's the same. I mean, I don't they're going to be very hard to get, um, especially during the season. I mean, when teams trade them, they tend to do it in the off season or around the draft I, I, and they don't do it often. So I, they're going to be really hard to get. And that's, I love that Phoenix trade for that reason. They got a first round pick and they just went with it. Yeah. I don't, I don't see a lot of, uh, first of all, a lot of teams have already traded first. So they're encumbered and it's hard, yeah. you know, because of the rules, because of the step in rule. Uh, I don't see a lot changing hands. I think this is going to be kind of a boring trade deadline, but that that's way ahead of the game. But yeah, Denver, Denver is just feels ripe for an explosion. But here's the thing about Denver. If Ty Lawson is healthy, they have a lot of talent. They have a good home court advantage. And the way they run and do crazy stuff, you know they're going to have a stretch where they win like 7 of 10 or 8 of 10. And everyone's like, oh, Denver's found its groove. Like, you know that's happening at some point. You don't, you, maybe you don't. You don't believe it. I just I feel like that happens every year with them. They're a streaky team. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. I, it. I mean, somebody has to be bad in that conference, right? So we know the Lakers are going to be one of the all-time atrocities for a Laker franchise. Other than that, who who's going to be bad? You need four bad teams in a conference. So who are the four bad teams? It sure seems like it's the Lakers, Denver, Minnesota, and Utah. And, and, and Utah's okay. Um, and Utah's okay. Utah can – what's interesting is you have these bad teams this year that could beat anyone on a given night. Utah can play a really good game. They're not going to do it that often, but – they're a really good game. As you pointed out in the column today, they, the Trey Burke thing is becoming a problem. And uh, and I, I don't know how that plays out. I was also shocked that they gave Alec Burks double figures per year. 
thought that was this like, is the new NBA. I, I, I kind of think. Holy mackerel. You like that contract? I think it's an okay contract. I mean, I, I like Alec Burks. I'm high on his upside, right? That's what you're paying for. You're paying on Alec Burks getting better. You're betting on Alec Burks getting better, and you're paying for that improvement. And I, I like – look, it's a weak – the wing in general, and especially two guards, it's a weak position. He's going to shoot more threes under Quinn Snyder. He gets to the rim. He draws fouls. He should be an okay defense. Like, I think he'll be a good – I mean, we're sitting here trying to think of shooting guards that can play both ends and shoot threes. Like, they may have one, and they're paying for it. It certainly made me feel a million times better about the Avery Bradley four-year, $32 million contract that devastated me for an entire day this summer. And now I feel like that's a borderline bargain. It's a nice contract. If you get an above average anything for that price, it's a pretty good price. It looks like the five worst teams, five of the six worst teams are in the East. Detroit, Orlando, Indiana, Philly, and maybe the Knicks. Um, And the Lakers would be the other one. I I would say the Lakers top five. Knicks, who knows? It's early, but they look pretty putrid. And and I don't feel like I have heard a great reason for the Tyson Chandler trade yet that doesn't include him and Carmelo could not be on the same team anymore. I don't I haven't heard a second reason that makes sense. Have you? Well, this the one of the the second reason is the Spanish pig farmer who hasn't been able to play yet because of injuries and he's a good triangle. Jose Calderon's a good triangle point guard. He'll help them a lot. I mean, they've been playing some minutes. They didn't really last night, but they've been playing some minutes without any point guard when Shane Larkin sits. And so he'll help them. And But the, the Tyson-Carmelo thing was was real. And look, the Knicks, guess what? They're a bad defensive team that's struggling to learn the triangle. Like, we all saw this coming except for the true believers and – um, this is this is what happens. They need they do need to update their scouting report though for Atlanta to incorporate the fact that Kyle Korver is a good shooter. That should probably be should probably be included in the scouting report. I mean, that guy had so many wide open threes. It's like it was, they thought he was me or something. It's unbelievable. <laughs> we I went to the Clipper game last night with Connor, and, and he didn't know that Mike Woodson and Lawrence Frank and Sam Cassell were assistant coaches for Doc. He was dying. It's kind of funny that they have Mike Woodson and Lawrence Frank. It's like, any other failed coaches from the Easter Conference want to come over here? Where's Mo Cheeks? Can Mo Cheeks join this staff? Oh, poor Mo Cheeks. Poor uh, Mo Cheeks. Such it a is nice a murderer. It's a murderer's row. Of, it's a murderer's uh, row of, of Easter Conference failure. Uh, quickly, we both love Golden State. We'll talk about them another time. But I, I think maybe the only person on the planet who's enjoying how they're using Andrew Bogut this season more than me and Kirk Goldsberry, I would assume is you because you've always loved Andrew Bogut and you love weird offenses. And I, I, I assume you're just in heaven. Love Andrew Bogut. He's, he can pass. He can screen. I just, it actually, when he shoots, no one guards him, right? I mean, he gets the Joakim no. Noah treatment, but even, even worse. Um, and when he decides to shoot or when he gets fouled, which he's not, doesn't want to be, I just get sad. I do feel like a real tinge of sadness about how he was developing when, when he, he took that arm. fall that ruined yeah. his that ruined his right hand forever. I mean, yeah. he was becoming a really, really very good offensive player to go with some of the best defense in the league. And when you see him just throw up these ugly hooks and free throws that have no chance, it you, it does make me a little sad. But yeah, he's fun to watch, and uh, he's he's as good a rim protector as there is in the NBA. That's a really good team. I, I I think the uh, Jackson to Steve coaching upgrade is can officially be called an upgrade. I, I really like that team. I like watching it. And as you pointed out in your column today, not even playing that well yet. And they have, they have a point differential of 10.3. And they've probably broken the record for dumb turnovers by a good team through two, three weeks. But um, that team has a very high upside. 
Very interesting season, Zach Lowe. I like it. It's going to be fun. How many teams can win the title? Like 13? Feels very open. It feels very open. I will say this. Oh, go ahead. What? Well, well no, just we we, for, we forgot to because uh, all the Miami fans, you know, because they they have no life, obviously, um, and they have to jump to conclusions. They live in Miami, of games. course, they have a life. No, I know, I kid, I kid the Miami fans, but they're very upset with us that we that God forbid we thought maybe they that that Wade couldn't stay healthy for eighty two games, which would mean they'd miss the playoffs. Um, Wade has stayed healthy for seven games. He's looked very good. Bosh has looked great. great. You you love Bosh even more than you love Bogut, and. Miami's look pretty good, but again, we're seven games in, and Dwayne Wade played fifty-two or fifty-four games last year, and I want to see him play eighty-two. Is that fair? Well, that's the Can long I see game, Dwayne right? Wade play eighty-two. Yeah, and that's the long game with them. I mean, that's why I was pessimistic. For the record, I picked them to make the playoffs, but in the six through eight spot somewhere, and said I wouldn't be surprised if they missed. But I thought they would make it. Um, I think they're going to make it too, unless he gets hurt, and he well, might get hurt. Th- they look great when they're fully operational, right? And we're seven games into the season, and Luol Deng is, you know, seven games into, like, non-Tibbs life. We'll see how he looks in seventy game 70, and Wade is seven games into post-LeBron life looking great. I mean, we'll see how my my the downside for them is high, but it's a downside. It's not necessarily going to happen. It's a downside. It's a downside risk, but they look great so far, and... uh and you know that they're playing with that sort of like, hey, we want to prove that we were not LeBron and the LeBron heirs or whatever. I like it. And it's fun to see Bosch kind of unleash, unleash his full Bosch. I really like watching Dwayne Wade. That's the irony. I love watching good basketball players. Dwayne Wade with the ball in his hands looking relatively healthy is, is really fun to watch. I think the one thing that's really surprised me is that Josh McBob hasn't done much for them. I well, thought he, he was going to be huge. He's hurt and he's on a minute's limit. He will be big for them, and I think he okay. and Bob, I th- he'll supplant Williams in the What's starting lineup. What's his injury? I think it's a toe. Th- I can't remember. I actually talked to him about it too in Charlotte, and I don't now. I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, but he, that's he, they need his passing, and I think if he's a hundred percent and looking like the Josh McRoberts last year, and they can keep Wade healthy, it's a dangerous team. You know, I don't think they'll win the title, but. I don't know if I'd want to see them in a four or five playoff series. Would you, if Wade was healthy, if they're healthy, no. And, and particularly since if I'm in the four or five playoff series, I'm probably a team like Atlanta or Washington or Charlotte or whoever. Yeah, you want to pick. That's yeah. just, or Brooklyn or someone that's just Celtics. not, not Celtics. <laughs> someone who's just not very good and might be an underdog, but yeah, Miami's Dwayne Wade for a guy who doesn't shoot well, has a great old man game. The Euro steps, really the touch off the touch off the glass on floaters. Great old, old man. Dwayne Wade is a good time. I think they should officially change their name to the Miami Heat if Wade is healthy, because it's <laughs> it's just it's just a six word team name now. But you know we'll see. It's a long season. They haven't had a West Coast trip yet. They haven't had one of those six games and eight night stretches. Or you know the the NBA schedule beast has not unleashed itself on them yet. But Zach Lowe, we'll see you Thursday. Grantland Basketball Hour, ESPN, seven p.m. Thursday night, we will talk about the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder and some other stuff. Looking forward to it, my friend. Yeah, see you tomorrow. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at Podcenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.